Welcome to Curious Insights from History, the podcast that's all about gaining understanding, finding inspiration, and laughing a little at some curious insights from history. I'm your curious host, John Walker, here to give you all the best that bounces out of my brain. Today I have a story I want to share with you. I'm kind of excited about this one. I think it's pretty good stuff. I hope it's good. I hope it helps us out. It's called Critically Vigilant. We're going to use the words of a guy by the name of Frederick Holler. He says, you have to remain critically vigilant. In his life, in his line of business, that's a phrase that he used quite a bit. You have to remain critically vigilant. Yeah, what that means, it's a little different than the way we might say it today, is don't believe anything put in front of you. Don't, just because somebody says it's so, don't necessarily believe it. Boy, I think this is very appropriate for us today. Uh, we live in a world of fake news. I was looking at some of these fake news stories. You know, there's uh, there was a story that came out that said Kim Jong-un was the sexiest man alive. There were major news outlets around the world that picked that up and thought it was a legitimate story. Uh, there was another one. I don't know if you saw this one. Neil Armstrong was convinced that the moon landing was fake. Now you think about that for a minute. Neil Armstrong was convinced that the moon landing was fake. He's either the star witness on the fakeness of it, or he's the only guy that knows it absolutely wasn't fake. Crazy. And I don't believe that was picked up in a U.S. Uh, news outlet, but it was picked up. Then there was another one several years ago that the uh, fat Santa image is what's causing childhood obesity. We have as our Christmas jolly guy a representation of somebody that's overweight, and the story was that that is causing or is at least a leading indicator of what's going on with our overweight kids. And I'm telling you, I think there were some major U.S. news outlets that picked that one up. It just sometimes seems to me that we are really too gullible as a people. It's amazing sometimes the stories we believe. You may have seen some of these shows where a news guy will go out and there's a protest going on. He interviews some of the people involved in the protest and he asks them about why they're protesting. And sometimes he gets the craziest answers. The, the answer, in effect, is I don't really know. It was Friday afternoon, looked like a good time for a protest, so I went and protest might be the best answer. Anyway, we live in a world with uh, all kinds of fake news, and you know, you've seen it on Facebook or other places where you see something, and people just fall for it. We are a gullible people. Nothing new. This whole idea of being gullible to fake news is not new at all. This is a story I wanted to share with you from 1874. Big piece of fake news, and this is famous in history. I, I had never known about it until I read a book. But the it's called the Shocking Sabbath Carnival of Death. It's November 8th issue of 18, in 1874 of the New York Herald. A man by the name of James Gordon Bennett, Jr. is the owner, editor, person of this newspaper. It is the most influential and high-circulating newspaper in the United States, and it's probably one of the most influential newspapers in the world at this time. And he starts off with a headline story, Shocking Sabbath Carnival of Death. And in this, he just tells, they have multiple stories that they're telling about something happened at the zoo, 
And somehow one of the men feeding the rhinoceroses uh, caused the rhino to charge, and there was some confusion, and several cages were opened. Polar bear, tiger, lion, panther, all kind of animals got loose. And they tell this with shocking and graphic detail. They, The panther was over one of the zookeepers, gnawing on his head in a bloody pool, you know, just on and on about all these uh, tragic things that are happening with this animal escape at the zoo. Of course, most of the people that read that story never got to the last line on the last page of the last uh, part of the newspaper, I think, that says, and this is the direct quote, of course, the entire story given above is a pure fabrication. Not one word of it is true. But you had to read the whole story to get to that. The idea was that there was work that needed to be done on the cages and some of the other things inside of the zoo. And so his idea to bring that out was to fabricate a story and say, look what would happen if, those, if it got any worse. Well, as they were expected to, and as you would think most people wouldn't, they didn't finish the story. There were a large number of people who went to the piers to try to get away from New York City, trying to go away. Uh, They were told in the story to wait inside until they hear from the mayor that it's safe to come out. So people spent the entire day in their house, did not get out. And, of course, you know there were other people that loaded their rifles and went out to uh, shoot the rogue animals. It's really an interesting story. It's funny to me, This uh, the first time I came across this was in a book called In the Kingdom of Ice. And this is a book written by Hampton Sides. He's one of my favorite authors, and this book is my favorite book of his. I really like this book. Uh, but it's interesting. You would think that putting on a fake story like that would be detrimental. But from everything that we know, uh, circulation went up, and other newspaper outlets were kind of disappointed that they didn't come up with the idea. Evidently, people like a joke, and maybe we like some fake news. Maybe we like to be tricked. Maybe that's part of it. But I think, to me, we need to be a people who do have critical vigilance. We need to be able to look at something and go, that doesn't make any sense. That can't be. We need to check a little deeper. Maybe we need to look at this from a different light. Some of those things we need to be getting better at. We need to do some vigilant thinking about things. So that's the insight part of it. It's we need to be people that do that. And now we get to the curious part, and this is what I like about this story. The curious part of this story is who is Frederick Holler? Some of you may know, but I doubt many do. Frederick Holler worked for the government in Switzerland around 1900-1905 in a patent office. And one of his subordinates was a young patent checker by the name of Albert Einstein. And Holler repeatedly told Einstein, we must remain critically vigilant. The idea there is that as a patent officer, you've got to check and say, this is really nothing new. This this attempt to make a patent is not valid. There's nothing here. There's nothing patent worthy. And so Holler always encouraged that. You know, and... In history, when you read about Einstein, it's usually said he was wasting away in the patent office. I'm not so sure. I think he may have been honing his skills that could look at what 
Newton and others had come up with and go, it's not quite right. It's not quite right. That sometimes maybe being in that, in that place where critical vigilance was important was really something that was good for him. It really helped him out. Really, maybe, maybe that was part of the whole reason that uh, he became who he was. You know, it's interesting to me, some scientists and some names that we know, you know, we hear of their significance or that they were something important. And when you get to know about them and you, you study them, for, for me, Edison is one of those. Edison's a name you hear that, you know, he's a great guy. He invented the light bulb. But when you read about him, you're not quite as impressed. He's a good businessman. He's a really good at public relations. He has good systems for getting things done. But being a great inventor, you just don't, you're not quite as excited about it. Einstein's not that guy. He uh, had great insights in things called Brownian motion, which is why does thing, why do things, why do little tiny things move? The photoelectric effect, relativity. He's huge. In fact, if you watch Nova programs, which I do from time to time, or anything on PBS, and they're talking about physics or astronomy, they're liable to say something like, "Well, Einstein said this, and Einstein thought that, and he was pretty sure he was wrong." But now today, we realize how right he was. So Einstein is huge in all those fields. He really was something special in what he was able to come up with. And it's also interesting to me, we think of Einstein as being the smartest man that ever lived. But I don't think that's really true. He admitted that he needed help with the math on some of that stuff. And he had a quote that I really like. It's not that I'm so smart. It's that I stay with problems longer. It's not that I'm so smart. It's that I stay with problems longer. See, I think that's true. If we, we just we take it on surface. We just hear it. We just accept it. We just believe it. The difference with Einstein may have been not that he was just so smart that he just walked into the room and he figured everything out, but that he really delved into it. He really said, nah, this doesn't seem right. There's something not quite right. I'm going to figure out what's not quite right. We're going to get it worked out. And I think that may be what made him the great scientist that he became. And so to me, it may have been not that he was wasting away in the patent office, but that he was learning to train his mind to become critically vigilant, to really deeply think about things and really get into it. And I think it's a really good thing. I, I want to be, be a person who thinks things through. I want to be a person who... Uh, evaluates things, not just from my perspective, but from other sides of you. I get a different point of view. I, I see it from, from just one, not just one side, but from various angles. And this can apply to us on a personal level, too. We have probably, most of us have all been told one way or another, maybe not with an audible voice, but by attitudes or other things. We've been given the idea that there are things we cannot do. And I'm telling you, we have taken those at face value too many times. Have you really tried? Someone would say, I can't write. I'm not a writer. Have you tried? Have you really said, I'm going to put the full effort into this and write something? Artists, public speaking, all kinds of things that we, we kind of dismiss as something I'm not gifted at or I can't do. Well, maybe you're just not being critically vigilant. Maybe you're accepting too easily the story that you've been told. Yeah, Einstein, again, he said, we're all geniuses. He said, we're all geniuses. Of course, if you're a fish 
and you've been judged all your life on how well you climb a tree, you're going to feel stupid. And that may be what's more accurate for many of us of why we haven't done things, why we haven't accomplished what we could have, and why we've never tried things in a full effort. It's because we believe some story that says, you're a fish and you're terrible at climbing trees. Well, I hope that helps us. I hope it helps us to understand how important it is to think things through and not just accept what we're, what we're told either in the news or on a personal level or whatever, but to challenge those things. Look at it in a different light. Look at it from a different area. Uh, look at it in a different way. You know, I want this to be a help. I hope this helps you. hope it encourages you to try something new. And that's kind of my thing is read a good book, try something new. Until next time. Thank <laughs> you.